0: From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer.
1: The Constitution provides impeachment as one way to check the president. Um, There's actually another way. Congress may have another way to disqualify Trump from future office. And that is um, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment.
0: Welcome back to Season 6 of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. Based on a single charge of incitement of insurrection against the U.S. government and lawless action at the Capitol, the historic second impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump is underway. Constitution scholar Caroline Mala Corbin leads us through the malstorm.
1: Hey, good morning, Caroline. Nice to have you back. Thank you for having me back.
2: So we're talking three days into the, uh, the impeachment trial. Could you
1: take us through like, how impeachment works? Okay. I, although I suspect that many listeners are already experts at this point, impeachment is a two-step process. So first, the majority of the House impeaches or charges the president with treason, bribery, or high crimes and misdemeanors. And in the second step, the Senate tries the president. And to convict him, two-thirds of the senators present must vote in favor of conviction.
2: And so the uh, uh, what would be the punishment, especially since he's... Um, well, what would be the punishment if convicted?
1: Well, if convicted... He has to be removed from office. He's already gone, so that's not an issue. But the Senate may additionally vote to disqualify the president from holding office in the future.
2: Oh, okay. So it's a very small club of presidential
1: impeachments and none was convicted, correct? That is correct. Only two presidents besides Trump have been impeached by the House. One was Andrew Johnson in the 19th century, and the other was Bill Clinton in the 20th. And neither of them were convicted. Trump, of course, has been impeached twice. In fact, he's the only president to have been impeached twice. So basically, um, half of all presidential impeachments have been impeachments of Donald J. Trump. Mm, Got it. Um, What about Nixon? Okay, so with Nixon, the House judiciary approved impeachment charges, but Nixon actually resigned before the full House could vote. So that's why I did not include him on my list of presidents who have been impeached, which, again, is synonymous with charged by the House. The
2: senators agreed on Tuesday that the action is constitutional, and they're now working through those arguments for and against conviction. Is the issue settled then as to whether a president can be impeached after office?
1: Okay, so strictly speaking, Trump was still president when he was impeached or charged. So the actual constitutional question is whether it's constitutional for the Senate to try a former president who was impeached while still in office. Um, and the Supreme Court has not yet ruled on this question. And they're really the final authority on what the Constitution means. The Senate, however, has voted and they have decided and they have voted by a majority that they do, in fact, have the power to finish what the House started while Trump was still president. Mm -hmm. What's the argument for and against? Um, The argument against is that the impeachment process applies to officers of the United States, and Trump is now a private citizen and not an officer. And moreover, the text does not explicitly contemplate it. However, Most constitutional scholars disagree and think it's not at all unconstitutional to finish the process started while Trump was still president. So if you look at the text, the language of the Constitution does not explicitly limit the trial to a sitting president. On the contrary, the Constitution gives the Senate the power to try all impeachments. Um, Precedent supports it. Other federal officers have been impeached and tried after they left their position. Um, and if the Constitution, um, think about it this way, the Constitution limited the senator's power to removing the president. The argument against trying the president after he left would be stronger. He's already gone. What's the point? Um, but as mentioned earlier, conviction might also bring disqualification from future office. And that punishment would become unavailable if the Constitution were interpreted to allow federal officers to simply resign before the Senate had a chance to vote. And finally, um, if you're thinking about checks and balances and the structure of our government, to preclude the possibility of a trial and disqualification from president impeached late in his term, would remove one of Congress's most important check on the president during those last few weeks in office. And I just don't think the Constitution meant to eliminate those checks and balances on the president at the end of his term.
2: Okay. Um, let's talk about the actual uh, impeachment charge in this case.
1: Okay. Okay. So um, the House brought a single charge against Trump, the high crime and misdemeanor of inciting the insurrection. So it's important to understand that high crime and misdemeanor is a term of art. In other words, an impeachable offense doesn't have to be an actual crime. Instead, high crime or misdemeanor is generally meant to capture egregious abuses of power. That is, instead of using the power of the presidency to fulfill his oath of office and use the powers for the benefit of democracy, did the president abuse his power for his own personal benefit? And so for this second impeachment of Trump, Trump is charged with incitement of insurrection. And this charge attempts to capture the ways that Trump um, undermine our democracy by essentially refusing to give up power. He basically tried to subvert an election and disrupt the peaceful transition of power. So um, the House article of impeachment sort of makes this with three main points. So one, Trump falsely claimed he won the election. So Trump's sort of absolute refusal to accept the results of the nationwide election when there was zero evidence of widespread election fraud is itself really stunning and unprecedented. Um, It showed that he really had no intention of respecting the will of people. Um, Two, uh, again, this is what the article of impeachment focused on. He then tried to get others to rig the election, to make him the victor. So the one specific example, the articles of impeachment focused on was a phone call to a Georgia election official pressuring that election official to find, quote unquote, find votes for him so that Trump could win the state. And then finally three on January 6, 2020, Trump encouraged a crowd of his loyal and unruly followers, a crowd he had invited to D.C., a crowd he had convinced of his big lie that this election was stolen from him. He told them to walk down to the Capitol building and fight the certification results. And that's exactly what they did. They violently stormed the Capitol, disrupted the certification of the election, and threatened a branch of the federal government. And pretty much the idea is, is if disrupting a peaceful transition of power is not an impeachable offense, it's hard to imagine what would be.
2: Well, it seems that it was actually written for exactly that, that cause. Um, one of the arguments that's being made by, by Trump's team is that his speech is protected. So truth or lie?
1: Okay, so... Um, Whether his rally speech is protected by the Constitution, this argument's actually a red herring. Ultimately, it does not matter. Constitutionally protected speech can still form the basis for impeaching a president. As I mentioned earlier, high crime or misdemeanor is a term of art, and conduct is impeachable if the president has abused his power and betrayed the nation's trust. And a president can do that with constitutionally protected speech. And the evidence is really piling up that Trump is responsible for the insurrection and that it would not have happened without his action. So even if Trump's speech right before the insurrection does not meet the narrow definition of incitement, if he is responsible for the insurrection, That would be a serious abuse of his power and a violation of the public of trust. In other words, that would be impeachable behavior. So, again, constitutional protection means the government cannot make the speech illegal. It doesn't mean that the speech is free of consequences. So. If you lie ceaselessly and encourage people to believe that the election was stolen from you and that they should therefore storm the Capitol, maybe that speech is protected by the Constitution. But that doesn't mean that Congress can't decide you've undermined democracy to such an extent that you ought to be impeached.
2: (laughs) Mm, Okay. Um,
1: And and I should say, I mean, now that I've gone on about how it was... It, it wouldn't matter if it were protected or not. Um, there is a strong argument that it wasn't. So let me right. let me actually go through that. that fire uh, theater, um, fire theater. Yes. Okay. So, um, so a little free speech background. There are certain categories of speech where the harm of the speech is so high, and the free speech value is so low that the Supreme Court has held. That the free speech clause does not cover them. And that means that the government can outlaw these entire categories without triggering any kind of free speech scrutiny. And one of those categories of unprotected speech is incitement. And in order to amount to incitement, speech has to satisfy three requirements. First, The speech has to advocate violence or illegal action of some kind. Second, the speaker must intend to incite imminent lawless action. And third, the speech must be likely to incite imminent lawless action. And there is certainly a case to be made, and the House impeachment managers are in the process of making it, that Trump's rally speech meets the definition. So if you go through each requirement, advocacy, right? Trump. To be to be fair, Trump only explicitly advocated the crowd of loyal extremists march down to the Capitol. He didn't expressly tell them to invade it, but he did tell them that the only way to stop, uh, the only way to save the country and stop the steal was to fight, right, and to not show weakness and to fight a word that he repeated 20 times. So you could certainly interpret the speech as advocating violence. Um, I mean, as one commentator noted, his followers were not gonna stop the steal by chanting outside the Capitol. And indeed, his followers understood him to mean that he was advocating for them to invade the Capitol violently. Hey, that's advocacy. The next is intent. Um, Trump's intent can be gleaned from his language and the context. So, for example, um, the fact that for the longest time, Trump did absolutely nothing to stop the attack and later praised the insurrectionists, telling them he loved them and remember this day forever, all while repeating his lie about the election result suggests that he did, in fact, intend the violent intend the attempt to stop the certification of results. And the easiest prong here is the third one, whether it was likely to incite imminent lawless action, because his speech did in fact incite lawless action immediately after he stopped speaking. So um, it doesn't matter if his speech satisfies the requirements for incitement to be count as that unprotected category of speech. But at the same time, it may well have.
2: So you said that the conviction would need like a separate thing then to block him from ever running for office again.
1: Yes. So the way it could work is that first there is a vote whether to convict and if two thirds of the Senate indeed believes that he is guilty of causing the, of refusing to give up power and causing an insurrection to try and stop the peaceful transition of power, then there may be a second vote where they decide whether or not he should be disqualified from holding future office. And in cases in the past, that's only required a majority. Okay. Okay.
2: So could they do one without the other? Could they not convict, but still block him from ever holding office?
1: I don't think so. Again, the Constitution does not specify the requirements for each of these potential ramifications. Historically, it's not been one without the other. It's not been disqualified qualification without the conviction. And it makes some kind of sense because if you don't think they're guilty, then what is the basis for disqualifying them?
2: Right, right. Let us see. Um, so would that, that be the only way to stop him from ever running for office again?
1: Well, it may not be, actually. The impeachment is a very well recognized. Uh, the, the Constitution provides impeachment as one way to check the president. Um, there's actually another way. Congress may have another way to disqualify Trump from future office. And that is um, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. So this, the 14th Amendment was part of a parcel of amendments passed in Reconstruction after the Civil War. And this particular section in the 14th Amendment was meant to prevent the Confederate traitors from holding office and undermining Reconstruction. So Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says that anyone who has one taken an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States as a member of government in some form, and two, betray that oath by engaging in insurrection or rebellion or given aid or comfort to the enemies that have, cannot hold any office of public trust, state or federal, civil or military. And Section 5 of the 14th Amendment gives Congress the authority to implement the provisions of the 14th Amendment. So if a majority of Congress concluded that the president, who definitely took an oath to uphold the Constitution, violated that oath and engaged in insurrection, or if they believe he aided and embedded people who have engaged in insurrection... They may vote to say that Trump has met the conditions and therefore was precluded from office. And notably, that vote would not require a majority, uh, would not require two thirds of the Senate. It would only require a majority of both houses. So another possibility, it is not a part of the Constitution that has gotten a lot of use after Reconstruction. But it is part of our constitution, and it very plainly states that people who have promised to protect the United States and taken an oath to uphold the constitution, if they have engaged in insurrection, they should not be allowed to hold any office, federal or state. So it's uh, reach is even further than impeachment because impeachment disqualification applies to federal office while section three of the 14th amendment would preclude would disqualify him from federal or state office
2: no dog catcher trump for you um well this has been super interesting um happy watching and, uh, and thanks so much for joining us thank you again it's always been a pleasure it's always a pleasure to talk to you Oh, well, we live in interesting times thanks stay healthy
0: Thanks for joining us at The Explainer for a whole new season of interpreting legal issues in the headlines. If you love our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uges. Today's episode is brought to you by the 10th Annual we Robot Conference, the interdisciplinary conference on the legal and policy questions relating to robots. Early registration is open for the September conference at werobot2021.com forward slash registration.